you're listening to The Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson, and for the next half an hour or so, probably a bit about 45 minutes actually, because we've got Melissa and she talks quite a lot, we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. Um, I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, you haven't been on holiday for a while. You've normally got some flashy shirt and suntan and... Well, maybe soon. <laughs> okay. And of course... It's almost Christmas. It's time it, to go away. Well, it is. Um, and Holly Shackleton, who's editor of Speciality Food magazine. Hi. Hello. 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 How are you? Good. How are you? So, as I alluded to before, we've got um, three lovely guests today. Uh, one uh, we know quite not well, Melissa. Hiya. Hi, nice to see you soon. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Yeah. Now, the reason why I was very rude is because <laughs> we've come across each other quite a lot recently to do with your uh, amazing company called Nourished. We have. And you were the, what do we call it? Supreme champion, yeah, didn't we? Supreme champion. Supreme champion of the Future Food Awards, which is the awards uh, jointly done between the Food Talk Show and Speciality Food Magazine. Uh, we had lots of wonderful winners. We've got some on in a week or two. I think. Yes, I'm pretty sure we have. Um, but I think we were overwhelmingly agreed that Nourished was the winner. You were one of the judges, weren't you? I was, I was. You made a terrible mistake and put me on the panel. Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. A slip of the pen. <laughs> um, but we had some, re- we had some really um, prestigious judges. So we had Rennie Elliott, didn't we, from did. Planet Organic? Mm-hmm. John Stapleton from Little Dish and Covent Garden Soup Company. Uh, Monica, Monica Linton of yep. Brindisa. Mm. Ed from What If? Yep, Ed, I've forgotten his surname. Mehmet. Mehmet. That's it. Who else did we have? That's three. Cause... And then we had your friend from Food Tech. Oh, Russ. yes, Rush founder of Techland Advocates and Global Tech Advocates. Yes, yeah, so we had a really interesting um, uh, set of judges. And um, I think we were pretty unanimous in the winner. We were. We were. So we were, we were unanimous on the winner, Melissa, because I think we're trying to look at the future uh, uh, of food. Um, and I think one of the things that came across for us is the personalization of food um and it, it felt to us that that, that 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 is the future plus the fact that you're you're um, involved in 3d printing which is an interesting technology so we're going to have a good old chat about that have you bought some with us i with did you? i made a special blend for the food did you show. yes did you make a special blend for ollie um no i did i made you one oh, all right <laughs> okay. you're gonna have to have my um you're gonna have, have mine sure you know. <laughs> so that'd be good so we're looking uh, forward to uh, talking about that um jason hurst of um evo grow again somebody i know reasonably well Nice Been to you. see your 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 place down in Kent. That's right. Uh, where you're developing all sorts of stuff, and um, I think um, for me, it's the food service uh, industry who's going to be really interested in what you're doing. Um, so for me, we're going to have a chat about the chefs who've been trialing your thing. And I'm really interested to know, Ollie, whether you think it's a goer yep. in the food right. service world. Although actually, personally, I think it should be in the domestic setting because I want one in my kitchen. So we'll talk about that. And I'm really, really pleased to have Bianca Tia Missuria. Have I got um, it right? Yes, did I pronounce it, it right? is. <laughs> uh, who's won the Julia Child Scholarship. Yes, Congratulations Thank to you. Thank you very you. much. So we're going to talk about the scholarship and what it is. I remember watching that film, Julia, oh, Julia, Julie, Julie and Julia, Some, yeah, something like that with Meryl Streep. Um, and uh, really interesting that you've won the Julia Child Scholarship. So I'm going to talk about that and, and what it means to you. So first of all, Melissa. So we've got a box that you've bought with you, 
Um, just uh, Holly's just handing it to me. Um, I'm going to open it now. And can you tell me exactly what I'm going to find? Because obviously we're radio. Yep. So this is uh, Nourished. It's the world's first truly personalized 3D printed daily nutrition stack. And basically using our 3D printing technology and a very clever algorithm, we combine seven different active ingredients into one daily chewable that's specifically made for you. And it says on this little packet, so that individually wrapped um, and pl- plastic-free packaging, of course, and they're vegan and sugar-free. I'm going to hand one to you, Ollie. Um, stacked here for the Food Talk Show, and you Lovely. have to enjoy it by the 9th of February 2020. Right. Would you like to meet one now? So, Melissa, you said that quite quickly, and I've, I've seen you pitch, so I know yeah. you, you know, as you, you move at speed. So let's just deconstruct that. Sure. Yeah. So there are sort of two, broadly for me, two majorly innovative things what we were doing the first is personalization so yeah. tell me about the personalization how that works sure so basically um anybody can go onto our website and they can engage with a relatively brief um, health consultation questionnaire where they answer a series of questions about their existing health conditions um, their lifestyle so are they a vegan how often do they sit in front of a screen do they travel a lot um, do they find that they get sick very often um, and then also their goals so with those three sets of data Um, we're able to put that into our algorithm and it creates a weighting on the 28 different vitamins, minerals, um, active ingredients like probiotics and uh, beta-glucan and superfoods like ashwagandha, tart cherry, beetroot that we have in our opportunity. Then it basically says these seven are best suited to you based on your answers. And if you're happy with that, um, you just press go and then we will 3D print your product, ship it to your door monthly in this home compostable packaging. Um, Or if you know what you want or you're not happy with that, or maybe you think that you want extra vitamin D, you can actually change your stack. So you can take your recommendation, you can modify it, or you can just start from zero. So I'm fascinated what you've put together for me then. So let me just tell you what my team did for you, So what did you do? So So, you're making massive assumptions about my lifestyle here. Well, what we thought was, um, (laughs) obviously we didn't get you to complete a questionnaire, so we had to make some um, guesses here. But we basically chose um, lactospore probiotic, which is great for boosting immunity, especially in the wintertime coming up to um, yeah, the flu season. Um, so you're making an assumption I'm old and I'm going to get flu. Well, I'm making the assumption <laughs> that you're busy and then that you're... My children uh, have flu you, and they're younger than you. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, little young people So a good one for the winter. Um, and really, to be honest, everybody could do with a more robust immune system. And what they're finding out about the microbiome environment now means that the better your microbiome, the better. Um, Vita algae D3, which is a really impressive... D3 that is coming from algae, which is actually vegan. So most D3 comes from lanolin, which is sheep's wool. So it's vegetarian, but not vegan. And so this is a very specific uh, D3, which is is from algae. Um, milk thistle, because maybe you're entering party season. And you oh, yes. It's got milk thistle in it. I'm just going to help my liver. Well, I know in the last few events we've been in, there's been I a so lot need of these. alcohol. So. I mean, but to be fair, <laughs> me, Ollie and Holly, we, we have to drink alcohol as part of yeah. our job. Our job. We don't I was going to say it's no. like a year round. We don't round. want yeah. to. <clears throat> Year-round necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. E- even in so general. milk this excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Oh, um, good. That was a good guess. Well done. Yeah, vitamin C, just a great antioxidant, great for energy. Um, ginger extract, which is great for nausea. Again, really good for inflammation and for the digestive system. Hydrokirk. Does anybody know what hydrokirk? Hydrokirk no. is um, the world's most highly concentrated curcumin. So that comes from turmeric. Uh, so turmeric. in order to get that same level of curcumin, you would have to have about 12 massive turmeric roots. And so it gets you a really high level of that, which helps with inflammation and immune 
immunity. I take it whenever I travel. It's really great for jet lag and for when you get on the plane and you get swelling, etc. Um, and vitamin B12, which is great for mood and energy, um, and especially at this time of year. So, yeah, that's the blend. That's we a made really for you. good right. You're not taking blend. these home. These are just for me. But they are. <laughs> they are just for me. So I'm going to take those home. So in our, would I get this box through the post? Is that how it works? That's right. So you yeah. would get that once a month, um, and you can also change your blend every every month if you want. So, you know, I think it's funny that people up until now have kind of just accepted that one multivitamin all year round is what you should do. And actually, it doesn't make sense because, you know, like I run a half marathon in September, but I don't do that level of training the rest of the year. Surely my nutrient requirement is different during that time. Um, and then, yeah, party season causes a different mm. nutrient requirement in the new year. Maybe you're going to try and downsize a little bit. And so we really encourage people to engage with the questionnaire regularly so that they get the best possible recommendation every month. So if I could just describe what this looks like. Sorry, Ollie, just uh, uh, I'll, I'll sort of come to you in a minute. So it looks like um, a, a jelly, an old-fashioned, you know, English jelly that you have at Christmas. Fruit pastel. Fruit pastel mm-hmm. but but quite soft. But a large one. Yeah, it looks like it's got sugar around the outside, but it hasn't, has it? It must be, That's it's right. got quite so a nice little texture to it. We use pectin. We have a pectin. patent on a hydrocoid process that allows us to encapsulate the actives. And so that pectin is obviously making a nice gummy, like yeah. a little bit softer than like a traditional gummy because yeah. it's not coming from gel. Yeah. Like and gummy. then on the outside is erythmetol. So this is obviously a sugar alcohol that doesn't have a glycemic index impact. So it's safe for diabetics, safe for keto diet, sugar-free, but it's still natural. And unlike some of the other sweetening agents, which have pretty dire um, laxative effects, you have to have about 80 grams of erythmetol for it to be dangerous. And we use about two in the product, so it's not dangerous at all. Fantastic. And then they're <laughs> in- individually all packed. What were you going to say? I was going to ask, why Why do you do it such that they're all the same for the whole month rather than, for example, so obviously, as you say, people have different needs. You could have that it's sort of A, B, A, B sort of thing to get a whole mixture of things. Is it, what's the, what's the sort of science behind that decision? So there's a couple of reasons. One is um, we actually know that uh, some customers are buying two different stacks because they really want 14 different active ingredients every day. So some people might be doing that on their own. Um, But we chose seven and we chose to have the same in a month because one, most of the active ingredients are required. You do need to have them for more than one day for it to have a a decent effect on the body. And some actually have the best effect if you take them for 90 days or longer. Um, the, the littlest amount of time would be about 14 days for a probiotic to really start to take effect and reduce bloating and help your digestive system process through. Um, on the other hand, we actually surveyed around 10,000 people while we were developing Nourish, and we found that the average person needed around five to nine different active ingredients. And so we looked at the the minimal dosages that you needed for efficacy. So, you know, there's certain vitamins or active ingredients where you need over a thousand milligrams a day. We don't have them in Nourish because we can't fit them into that little layer where we are able to put that active ingredient. And we decided that the maximum amount we wanted people to have to have was 10 grams. And so that really built it the the whole so kind of limitation around the yeah. concept. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, the other thing is cost, I'm guessing. Well, you know, the more you... Yeah, and of course the cost because we use expensive ingredients. Yeah. But what we're finding is, this is the biggest feedback we have, is that people want to have more than one a day and that some people are finding that they, they feel it's a permissible snack and that they wish that they could have like three or four. And so we're actually looking at that from MPD. Maybe we make little bags of Nourished um, so that you can A, include more active ingredients in the future, but also that people could have it like as their snack after lunch um, mm. because that's actually the feedback the consumer is giving us. People used to take vitamins first thing in the morning 
because it's really not an enjoyable experience. Mm. You yeah, want to get, get it out of the over way. Over and done with, yeah. <laughs> but when it's tasty and it's sugar-free and it's got lots of active ingredients, then you feel like, oh, this is a really permissible snack for me to have and people are having them after their lunch. So mm. we may well introduce new formats. And your 3D printing technology. Now, I remember some reincarnation of your 3D printing technology. I think you might have been on the show or one of, or, or, or one of the guys who's with you. Um, uh, how's, that, how's that evolved for you? Has the technology really got to the point where this is now you know, sort of commercially viable. Absolutely. So um, we did, we brought Magic Candy Factory on the show. It was a while ago. That was my first 3D printer. And Magic Candy Factory was really set up um, in order to allow the consumer to create their own product in store. So that was my idea, my dream behind that product. And we launched it all over the place. We had them in all the John Lewis stores. And you could, in effect, create a custom confectionery item. But where the discipline was pushed was more around the actual design. So you could make your face, you could make the Eiffel Tower, you could make a diamond. Dinosaur. Remember that program, Ollie? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think you had a. Oh, there was you, you brought in like you a took castle, some home. and yeah. Yeah. they were great fun. And yeah. an octopus and stuff. Yeah. And that was a really great way of like starting to introduce the consumer to 3D printing of food. It's not a cold machine; it's an enabler that allows you to create something customized really quickly. Um, but yeah, it was a novelty. It is a novelty. It's still very well received, uh, but it's a novelty. And I think the new printers, which we just submitted patents on, that make the Nourish concept, have seven different extruders and combine seven seven materials, and we can make a month's supply of products specifically for one person in less than 10 minutes. And this makes it commercially viable. So you take the hyper personalization and make it affordable and fast enough to be able to have a scalable model and have a real value add. Because really, how many candies of your face do you need, Sue? I mean, you are a beautiful lady, but, you know, this is not going to be something I can sell you every day. Is I'm so it? beautiful. So. That's why I'm on radio, not television. Oh, don't say that. Um, you and I were both at uh, Food Bites uh, yeah. the other week, and um, there were some incredible people on there. So there was a guy who was 3D printing... Snake. Well, it wasn't. So what was it? It was. It was a. It was well, a it plant was. alternative. You were one of the judges, Ollie. But it, I mean, it was. It was designed to look like a steak. In yeah. Since they. But he was three printing that, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. With printing. different veg based. Yeah. And I think the the real specialty of what he's doing, which I totally agree with, which I think is a great way of pushing the technology in another direction, is to play with texture. So where you are um, trying to make a plant-based alternative to meat, often in a manufacturing process that, you know, like sausage, for example, it's all got the same texture. It's one uniform solution. Mm. With 3D printing, you can lay down different materials with different viscosities and textures, chewinesses, etc., um, into one final product. And if we think about the way... I'm a vegetarian. I haven't eaten meat for like 20 years, but I remember that it is very varied in the way that the texture feels in different parts of the meat. And that's what he's doing. And and I think it's an incredibly interesting way of applying 3D printing technology. I wish them all the best of luck. I think they're going to do well. Mm. Mm. So, so um, uh, Jason, so what, are, what are the other things that where three D printing have been applied? In yeah, the food well, I was world? just going to say to you, Jason. You know, you've been involved in the in, in the food sector a little bit, and we're going to talk um, about what you're doing. Have you come across three D printing as well? I have seen some companies, but they are tend to be decorative, sort of mm. a bit like the custom face printing that mm. you've seen. I've seen, you know, um, cakes. Um, Patisserie, those kind of things. But um, it does seem to me that previously it was more a sort of a novelty and a, you know, you go to a restaurant and they'll they'll three D print some chocolate for you. Yeah. But it's like a, a sort of a gimmick. Whereas yeah. it feels to me that suddenly it's becoming a little bit more interesting so and mainstream. Barilla did pasta. Mm. So Barilla had I think it was a project called Blue Wave or something, and they were three D printing pasta and they 
could do it in sh- in shapes specifically designed for chefs to house particular mm. fillings in certain ways, which was kind of cool. And I remember eating it in 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 Italy. Um, but it, it, it seems like there's, it, it's really a, a cutting-edge space that people are really pushing in. Starting to look at, yeah, yeah. As, yeah. as opposed to it being some sort of novelty. Novelty, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, so where are you now on your journey? So you've launched it, I seem to remember. Yes, so we launched um, two weeks and a bit ago. Um, it's been an amazing journey so far. We're learning every single day, but we have over a 1,000 subscribers already, which is amazing. And, uh, yeah, the growth is is really fast, ne- you know, neck break speed. Um, and we are hoping to complete the basic beta test here in the United Kingdom until the end of Jan. And then we're looking at trying to expand the concept out more globally um, with America and the Middle East being the next uh, regions. But in addition to that, um, because 3D printing is so um, dynamic, you can really, really pivot almost every day with new options. Um, we're already adding new nourishments based on customer feedback, even from just two weeks. We can we can do it that mm. fast. And we're also developing Nourish Kids and Nourish Pets to be able to launch those in January nourish as pets. well. Yeah, because why not? You can not? do stuff for your tortoise. Would it be more fun? You can do like pet <laughs> food for your tortoise. What's I, his name? Flash. Fla- her name. Sorry, her name. Flash. Seriously. You could get you could get 3D pellets for Flash. What bright red ones that look like strawberries. She'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I, felt, I was rather upset the other day. I saw a picture of the new um, leader of the House of Commons, the new Speaker of the House of Commons, and he has a, a tortoise that's actually even larger than Flash. So I was like, wow, excellent. they're rare. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Holly, um, this is very much online, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's purpose made for online because you can personalise it, you can order what you want, you can double check it, yeah. and then it all gets delivered through the post. Is there any any retail that you can see, particularly independent retail, um, for, for this sort of um, personalisation and, and 3D printing? Because I can't at the moment. Oh. It just feels to me it's, like it's an online option. Yeah, really, really tricky because um, I guess because it, it's a process. and mm. So unless you were to do, I mean, you could have a, you know, a pop-up in a shop that, you know, Planet Organic or something mm-hmm. or Whole Foods that would have a natural affinity with it mm-hmm. and be demonstrating it. it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but we can do that. But we that's what's interesting about the beef guy at, um, at the um, food, at bites. food Bites. He was talking about putting these machines in butchers. He was. That was his crazy idea. And actually, I think what's really interesting about that is you know, what are the, what the you know, and Melissa, you're closer to it than I am, is it's about the economics. You need mm. enough footfall to be able to enough demand on that on that item so that the stuff can actually work. I remember, I remember Unilever looking years ago, uh, could you do personalization of perfume around Dove and different sort of fragrance things whereby you could choose your own thing and create what I call the illusion of customization because in the end there's sort of 16 choices and that's mm. all you're allowed. Yeah. But you need the, you know, you need the footfall. So there must be places like, you know, high-end high footfall independence that could take some of these kinds of yeah, things on. Definitely. I think it's just um I guess a personal personalized aspect may have to be sacrificed to an some extent. Mm. So you you know, so maybe you could have some non personalized mm-hmm. generic or not generic, but kind of winter blends or something yeah. on the shelves and then 
um, a kind of demonstration is set up on the side to kind of explain what it is that you're doing. I mean, I think one of your challenges, Melissa, is, is, is staying focused because <laughs> yeah. you've got so we, many opportunities. These are all really good ideas. We already make something like called basically life stacks. They're like for different lifestyles because weirdly enough, people are um, yeah paralyzed by choice. If you let them Sometimes, do whatever yeah. they want, it's like, what? <clears throat> I don't know what to do. So we actually make a variety of blends, you know, one for prenatal, one for um, trying to bulk out at the gym, one for high flyers and busy professionals, you know, this kind of thing. Mm. They can be packed in a barcoded box, etc. We're making Christmas crackers like that for like one week supplies and we could sell them in any retailer really. Um, but I think for actual um, bricks and mortar, um, we had a lot of experience with this at Magic Candy Factory. And I think it gave us a great um, view on the cost, the human cost, you know, of actually having someone stand there, right? But at the same time, we also saw the benefit to the store. So Briggs & Moulter is suffering. Everybody's going online. People like a bit of experience. Mm. Stuff and so you on. can, yeah. if you throw a demo printer in there, the excitement of people love watching 3D printing. It's super mesmerizing. It's mm. really interesting. It creates a lot of excitement in the store. There's something happening. Um, they're basically being able to watch a food product being made and people are fascinated by that. So I think we would love to do it. We already actually designed a, a printer that would be safe in store and we have um, all of the safety approvals for live food printing in store, which a lot of the food printers that you see experimented with, um, although they are really cool and they create great things, you can't actually use them to. live in front of yeah. consumers Absolutely. and still sell the product because the food safety isn't there. So I would love to find a way to do that and um, Whole Foods Kensington High Street would be a great place mm. to try it. Um, the football is huge. They have a great display space, etc. But I think, um, yeah, I think in the future, it'll be really nice to be able to have both options, pre-mades and do you really want to see it being made? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, fascinating It'd be interesting stuff. to know where Grays actually is nowadays in terms of what percentage of their revenue comes from customizable stuff mm. and what percentage is actually now through retail. Probably it... nothing from customized stuff yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Almost yeah. zero. Yeah, Sold out, really, haven't they? Let's face it. Am I allowed to say that? Well, you can say what you like. It's, 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 you know, you know um, lawyers. I know lawyers all too well. Um, <laughs> so, moving on from that, um, Jason Hurst of um, Evo Grow. Now, I, I, I'd like to try and explain what it is that you do. So, I've been into your, what do you call it, a factory, office? Office? Lab. 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 You, your I mean, lab. You a whole tour, actually. Lab. Mm. Um, and you go in there and it looks amazing. So you, it looks like a wine fridge to me, like the sexiest wine fridge you've ever seen. So from, you know, top to bottom, sort of six, seven foot high or something. Mm. It's probably about five foot by many five foot. Um, uh, and, and inside that you've got different trays, beautiful lighting. And then on those trays, you've got tiny little plants that are growing. Or large plants, depending on your or large choice. plants. Um, and you've brought a selection uh, for us. Uh, Holly, over. do you mind I will passing explain them over? While it, while it so shall you, shall you just explain what you bought with you? And then we'll explain... I have brought a few. I couldn't bring this one of our works. machines. Right? No, no, we obviously. make plant-growing systems for chefs. And as you explained, these are effectively mini self-contained vertical farms which you can put in your restaurant and it enables you to grow your own perfect plants right then and there. So anyway, I brought some samples. See, I, I, actually, with... I actually like, Jason, to call it an indoor allotment. Well, That's what yeah. it feels like. I mean, it is. It does feel like it an is. indoor allotment. So, Can I just say, yeah. at this moment, Jason's produced Need a, can you have a, plate, maybe? a, a very small um, pair of scissors. <laughs> little clippers. 
Snips. So Snips. when you so when you go into supermarket, you can buy you know um, a little pot of basil, for example, which you then take home and snip and use at home. Which mm-hmm. I use a lot of those. And things. I brought some of that. Do you actually. use I those a lot? Hate them. Fine. Um, you hate what? I herbs. Hate no, no. I love those, herbs. Oh right, those, growing. Those are but whatever. Yeah. You don't like them. Why don't you like well, them? I, because I. I because I think you end up wasting. Oh, very true. Growing thing. You know, when you when you when they're just sitting by a Try window. That. That's a tiny mm. choy. I mean, you pass those around. So um, so so they look like those. Just ignore Ollie then. Yeah. So you um, can but grow they look like those. All sorts. But um, but what you've got then is is on your each tray each shelf mm-hmm. in in this sort of refrigerated unit, um, you can grow what you like. Pretty much what anything you, like. you want. So what I think is interesting. You know about really your business is about personalization, yeah. You know? So, because we put the means of production at the point of consumption, you can choose exactly what you want to grow, yeah. you can grow just what suits you, what's on your menu, what matches your tastes, as opposed to with a conventional approach. Really, a large grower has to really pick a few varieties to concentrate on. They produce lots of that. That's what ends up in the supermarket or through the distribution chain, and that's what that's so what you can get. The, re- the reason the reason why I hate those little mm. pots that I buy occasionally from the supermarket is they always die. Mm-hmm. And what is what, what you're it's doing here? To use them all up. But then, but maybe you then don't. you don't need the earth. Then what do you do with the? I mean, like yeah. So so for me, what's amazing about this put, is, put is plate. actually it's got the environment that allows this stuff to keep growing. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, there's been a huge trend over the last few years of chefs having gardens and having allotments and, and space where they can grow things on the roof. And this is kind of... But that the great, great is, thing for me... one of those large ones, Ollie. That is a buckler leaf sorrel. That's, uh, you can tell that's sorrel. That's got that beautiful sort of lemony, slightly bitter taste. It's gorgeous. Wow. That's good. It's quite... That? Isn't it good? That's a punchy leaf, wouldn't you say? Mm. Oh, it's really good. Oh wow! That is an amazing. What now the thing, the thing with I'll this, give you a little, I'll give you so, a nice one. You know, <laughs> you know, I used to have an allotment. Um, uh, the, the great joy of growing your own food, of course, wow. is, is 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 cooking it and using it. But you spend the whole time weeding. Whereas when you have this, it's like an indoor allotment with no weeds. It's fantastic. Mm, no you weeds. Open the door. No pests. Then you just you just clip. You know, cut what you want. Uh, absolutely, and back to and your point, Ollie. If you have, a, if you know, and this is exactly what our customers today appreciate, right? If you don't harvest a whole container of this at one service, you just stick it back in the machine. Next service, the plants perk up. You know, Got they're good again. to go. And so, waste is a real is a real factor, mm. right? But, I mean, oh, it's also the fact that actually chefs and having been involved with more recipes than I care to mention <laughs> are very good at saying one leaf mm. of basil. And you're like, hmm, great. So I'm cooking dinner for six people and I'm now going to buy an entire thing of basil and I'm going to use six leaves. Maybe I'll treble it so I'm using 18. Mm. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is is that you, I think there's huge wastage when yeah, you yeah, know, in, in that whole area. Hmm. So what are these units? Because Sue's obviously about to buy one. So I can't because he's only doing for food service at the moment. Right. So I actually that's think this lemon, no one knows that one whether you're going around now is uh, that's lemon basil. If you don't want to eat it, just rub it and smell it. So I think the thing the thing for me is this would this would be an amazing domestic uh, uh, product. So because if you can get it down to the price of a really luxury fridge, yeah. I'd have one because it so looks I'll amazing. I'll just take that question. So today, yeah. Yeah. our tall commercial units are just over five thousand pounds to buy. Yeah, right. fat. and we don't think that is within the budget of a typical no. family today. No. Um, but you know, longer term. The components of this technology will get cheaper, right? Of the course. LEDs are going to get cheaper. Everything, like all, the path of all technology, and we firmly believe in time, 
this is going to be a technology which is going to be in people's homes. Mm. I mean, I... So I, what, do, I, what do the units do? So it's about temperature so, control, so is it? Is it okay, temperature, oh, yeah, it, light, irrigation, feed. I mean, it controls all the key factors of plant growth. Light is probably the single most important thing. When you buy those pot herbs in the supermarket, like the basils, and they're wrapped in those cellophane, and you take them off, and they generally just fall over, right? Because those plants have been grown with insufficient light, but with a lot of water, a lot of nutrients, so they sprout up really tall, they're stretched, they're really feeble specimens. Um, and the reason those basils don't taste the same as the basil you get when you're on holiday in Tuscany is mainly to do with the light. Mm. Right? So with LEDs, which we use, you can create, recreate different lighting scenarios by balancing the mix of colours. And so for a lot of aromatic herbs, you need really strong blue light, which you get when the sun is more overhead. And that's what drives all the reactions in the leaves. That's what drives the creation of flavour. Um, so what happens, Ollie, is that every shelf will have a different setting depending on what you're growing. So if you say, I want one shelf full of basil leaves, then the LED, the water, the nutrients will all be programmed to be exactly right for that. Exactly. And that's what your system not only, does. Not only to suit a different crop type, but mm. also to suit its stage of growth. So everything in there grows from seed, all these plants grown from seed inside the cabinet all the way to harvest. And obviously it goes through different phases when that seed first sprouts, when the seedling first emerges, when it gets bigger, bigger, and we constantly adapt and program it automatically and the way we do that is because the cabinets are connected to the internet they're fitted out with sensors that monitor the environmental conditions and we use cameras so above each tray of plants there are four high definition camera modules we capture that image data we send that into the cloud it goes through a software pipeline and we can basically track the growth of every plant at every customer and adjust the settings automatically so the chef doesn't have to worry. He literally just says, I want to grow buckler leaf, sorrel, lemon, basil. He loads it in the machine. What, and the carrots rest of the at the bottom? You can't grow carrots. So we, you know, we oh, concentrated on leaves. Slightly joking. You. No, no. You, you, you concentrate on leaves because well, of the food service. But if it was a domestic You can grow thing, baby roots. You, you can grow baby We've grown turnips, in. radishes, um, flowers, and we will continue to expand possibilities. But leaves really matter. One, because of the value. Second, their perishability. I mean, talking about the domestic market, I think the real target I have, I've had my eye on from the beginning is the waste in salad. I mean, bagged salad, if you look at the wraps, you know, wraps mm. food waste in the home studies, bagged salad in percentage terms is the most wasted food commodity. About 43% of what gets taken home gets thrown away. About 40 to 50% is lost upstream in the supply chain. The amount of waste, I mean, it's hundreds of millions a year. It's absolutely epic. But what we think is by moving, as I said, the means of production to where you're going to consume it, that waste element should be completely eliminated because you only harvest when you're about to eat it. So it tastes amazing. And it also means it tastes better. So you get a mm, you know, double whammy. Fantastic. No waste, yeah. better better taste. Melissa, have you got any thoughts on this? It's incredible. I totally love this. I want one of them for our office. Oh, um, I want perfect. one in my, fr- in my kitchen. <laughs> we have the we have a garden on our roof where we p- plant these packages to prove that they're compostable. Mm. So, And we actually grow food for the team in that, right. that they use in the, the team kitchen. And we've been looking for something like this. So I would love to get your details because I think it's a great idea. Brilliant. And you can use just normal soil? or this, uh, You can use really any... So our system is... As I said, very programmable. It's a flood and drain system. You can use all sorts of different media. These have been grown in a mix of coir and perlite. Mm-hmm. Coir is basically recycled coconut husk. Mm-hmm. It's a really good, renewable, peat-free growing medium. You can use mats. If you're growing smaller plants, mats work well. Mm-hmm. You can use anything. 
pretty much. We would not generally use soil, right? Yeah. Because, again, in a food service environment, you've got to be very conscious about cross-contamination risk. Yeah. Right? Fair enough, yeah. So we start with sterile inert growing media. Fair if you enough. use soil, I mean, I don't want to go on, but... You know, you have risks of contamination, right, from animal. So, what do you think? And about in this terms of in terms chefs? of what this needs, so it needs power, yeah. and drainage, and an internet connection, and an internet. You connection. can operate them standalone, in which case there's a reservoir which you need to top up depending on how big your plants are, about every five to seven days, or you can plumb it in, in which case you don't have to do that. Yeah, right. So, I think it's massive for chefs. Yeah, because I think the fact but, is, is that but, it, but it's not volume, so it has to be high end. No, no, no. Uh, because you, well, you know, if you're in, a, if you're in a, I don't know, a five hundred seat restaurant, you know, we've got dish room down down from the studio here, and you're doing that sort of volume. No, there's no way it's going to work. And but it's not for that. It's no. for this mm. high end. You know, we we really don't excellent. insist, right? We don't mm. say to customers, look. I mean, I would like it if they came and said, I want to be entirely self sufficient in mm. in all of his produce. They'd probably you know, might buy six, eight, ten machines. But I think a lot of car customers don't look at it like that. They say, well, what are the, what are the crops I really want to grow? What's going to give me the most impact on the plate? Which are the things which are hardest to get? Which are the things where my supply or the quality is very variable? I want more control over it. And they pick and choose. And, and, um, and I think that's the way it's likely to continue. But although we did start really targeting, you know, the high-end restaurants and hotels, more recently we've seen interest from... You know, other sectors of food service. So we have a number of staff canteens. We have Google's office oh, not far from that. here, yeah. a few oh. banks, law firms. Hmm. They are wanting to, well, frankly, impress their staff with the quality of the offer that they're giving them. They want to offer them lots of healthy options. They've got a lot of... Uh, yeah, and, 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 the, and they also get an interesting um, dynamic going. So they're able to say, hey, guys, what do you want us to grow in our next growing cycle? What should we put in the salad mix? You know, And they, hmm. and they can choose different crops because... You know, we've grown over 120 varieties so far in here, and we're always expanding this list. So you can definitely grow things that people are not at all familiar with. Can you imagine having one of these in the kitchen? I would oh, love it. So much it. fun. I would love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely beautiful lettuce. I mean, not many. I mean, we have a few of chef customers that grow lettuces. Not many. They're generally growing more unusual herbs, but yeah. it does produce really yeah. you know, lovely lettuce and rocket and all the normal what do you think? Normal, I love it. I love it. And I, and I think I think the other thing is if you if you go on, on onto the website and have a look at them, they've got this sort of you know this very modernist glow. The they, machines, look they look so beautiful. sexy. They are amazing. Yeah. They yeah. And also, when people walk up to them and they see these plants, and you know they, they well, I'd say they look beautiful. I mean, they, <laughs> they look you know they good, look good. Up you know, it'd be great. Is what I could actually have is we could create and create one where Flash could actually eat the things she really likes. Yeah, she deserves it. Honestly. She does deserve it. <laughs> she does deserve it. She has yeah, some very strange requests for sort of dandelions and other things. Can so grow that. Easy. Absolutely. Weeds. Grow a few she weeds. Likes, she's got a taste for bitter leaves. Yeah, all sorts of endive, chicory. It's just amazing, I think. I, I think it's amazing. This, it's this definitely the way to go. This, I sort of said to the, you after get Food them. Bites, is this sort of stuff is the stuff that actually gives you hope that there are solutions to some of the kind of food crises that are out there. Because, look, it eradicates the need for you know, wastage, mm -hmm. eradicates the need for mass transportation, moving stuff around and on very quick supply chains, right? Um, it actually means that people who aren't in central hubs can do some really radical things. I mean, yep. actually, the real impact of this, if you run a place, and I know you work with Simon Rogan, you know, something like Simon Rogan in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. he is reliant upon what he can grow and he's restricted by the, underneath the terroir and the weather of that area. With this sort of system, he can basically do whatever he likes. Mm. Yeah. 
And that is really exciting. Yeah, it and even, so, let's say you're maybe a rung or two below Simon, you haven't yeah. got a, a huge team of, you know, exactly, it works very well in those, for those people. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to get these... Um, Melissa, you have to get one of those in your office. It's good business expense. Can write that off. Yeah, honestly, I'd no, it's happy. so cool. I love it. I really love it. It's a great idea. I agree that I wish that you made a domestic one because I have really no yard in my city house and I would love for uh, to be able to grow those. That's great. Hey, well, yeah, says, wonderful. Watch this, watch wonderful. This <laughs> I like it that it's unkillable because I will yeah. kill any, pretty much any plant because I travel so much. But uh, Absolutely. And I mean, that was, you know, that was... A, I did a lot of conventional growing when before I started the company. I mean, I, I was I was a real disciple of Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. I made all my own compost, did all the digging, but I had a day job and things go, went wrong yeah. all yeah. the time. Right? Mm. And so so um, we make it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Bianca, have you got any thoughts on that? What do you think of that? I can you visualise it? You need to go on the website because it looks I fantastic. It, I think I can see it happening for like, for like more restaurants that do seasonal menus. And I think a big food trend is right now is a lot of micro herbs, mm -hmm. mm. especially I think and also in patisserie they're mm. incorporating that a lot now. Yeah, definitely. I mean things like um, lemon balm, verbena, anise hyssop. Holly, you need one in your new marigold. new new house that you've moved into. I do. So if you wanted to club together, that's all mean present. That's a housewarming present. But again, because I'm in the town centre, so I have a small courtyard garden. I do have space in the kitchen, mm -hmm. and Christmas mm -hmm. is coming up. Um, but yes, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Because I, I mean, big hints there for us, Holly, to buy a present. <laughs> Not <laughs> subtle. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> giving up on subtlety. Mm. Um, no, it's amazing. Thank you. Yes, very, very good. Very good. So we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna swivel again. Uh, and uh, Bianca, now you have won the Julia Child Scholarship. Well done. Thank you. That's <laughs> not that's not an easy achievement by any means. Um, and the Julia Child Scholarship. Well, first of all, Julia Child was a sort of infamous culinary expert for over fifty years, actually, in America. America, yeah. Uh, there's a very interesting um, old black and white television footage of her, actually. <laughs> um, and she sort of, I would say, introduced millions of Americans to French cuisine and to home cooking yes. uh, quite quite a bit. Um, and uh, I was talking about there's, there's a famous film about her uh, with Meryl Streep. Um, uh, but the Julius Child Scholarship is offered by Le Coudre en Bleu, who've been on this programme. They have. Um, and it provides a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone who is passionate about food, which I'm presuming you are, <laughs> and a big cooking enthusiastic with a strong business insight to aspire for a career in the food and hospitality industry. Yeah. So you entered this competition. Did you ever think you would win it? No, no. not a chance. No. <laughs> um, and part of the uh, part of the winning sort of thing is that you study at the world's leading culinary arts institution, and embark on a twelve month course uh, along with one to one sessions with some of the elite London based uh, Cordon Bleu alumni. Yes. And you've got work experience at the Savoy. I do. It's a, a big road ahead coming so January. It's, it's really, really exciting. So so just explain what you th what you think you're going to do once you acquire all this knowledge after you. What's your what's your sort of my main aspiration? Goal? Okay, yeah. so so my my dream and my vision is to create my own restaurant establishment but have a arm of that to be a social enterprise working with the community to train people who probably don't come from traditional um education routes and also train them into maybe like a level one in in, in food um, and giving them that opportunity to use their skill set in in an environment where 
you as a consumer are actually finding something that is it's really um, you know purposely built for and impacts the um, community in a positive way. Um, so there's so many. So you're thinking the power of food is is the is, power of food. It can change a lot of people's minds. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've been for a, a coffee just across the road here, uh, Ollie. It's um, something roasters. Redemption. Redemption roasters. Is it called? Yeah, redem- yeah. And I think I don't know a huge amount about it, but they work with uh, the prison service. Yes, and they they way. they get uh, the, uh, offenders who've just left prison to to train as baristas, and and uh, it's a really good way of it's of getting them into the world of work. Um, so it's something like that. You want to use Some, food as a way of something like along the, very much similar similar um, concept of you know setting up a, a social enterprise that work, and you know you you're you're just getting to teach somebody within a kitchen environment a skill that they'll learn for life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> um, and, and so just tell us what you're, what you're going to do for this year. What's, what's set so, up with the scholarship? So I, I start on in January, early January. It, um, the Patissi diploma starts um, in Jan, sorry, and it lasts for about nine months. And then I'll move on to doing culinary management and that's when I'll be starting also the, the the internship at the Savoy Hotel and working with the four mentors. And hopefully by then I'll be setting up my own business. It'll be very exciting. Yeah. You ever fancy doing a bit of a, a cookery tuition thing? You probably do need it occasionally. I definitely need it. I'd, 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 I've, done, I've, I've done lots of sort of cooking courses in lots of different places, but I've never... People often say to me, are you, you know, a trained chef? And I'm, I'm not. Did anybody ever say that to you? No, as in like, they haven't, they haven't eaten my food. They're like, yeah, are you? Yeah, I was about to say, not following a meal. Not following a meal where they've got food poisoning. The, the no, man renowned more. for serving squirrel to his yeah. guests, yeah. I haven't served squirrel for a long time, but I might, I might, it, must come, it must come back. Maybe, maybe Christmas 2019, yes. you know, it might be all that's available. 2020. Um, hmm. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I quite fancy doing. Do you? Um, yeah, I do. Like what? Well, I, I think I'd like to learn some really good basics. You know, like how do you make butter and h- how do you make the perfect bread? And mm. y- you know, because I, I like you, I love cooking and I cook a lot. Um, but there's some some real basics which I think I'd really like to get. You know, perfect sauce that's silky and smooth and th- those underlying basics. I think I'd really like to get. There's an there's a definitely an art to it. I guess that the then when you're learning something and you can perfect it, you feel so proud. Yeah. About it. And pastry. I want to learn mm. how to make proper pastry. Yeah. Um, you know, in a way that everybody go, oh, that's amazing. Just, I'd still be, I'd still be on the savoury world. Give me, give me. I mean, like we had um, the, the founder of School of Walk on a long time ago, and you know, I'd much rather learn some of that sort of stuff really well. Yeah, because because for me, particularly living in London and with kids, actually, that ability to do fast, really impactful cooking is where I would feel the kind of. But I think I want to go. I, I don't think I want to go step. Step back. Or underneath that. Yeah. Where, where, do you know we have Asma Khan on? We've had yeah. loads of great Indian chefs here, actually. How do you layer those? How do you layer those spices? How do you, mm. you know, at what point do you do this and then you do that? And it's the, I suppose it's a theory of it, really. And then for me, you can then build on that and cook curries and do this. But it's, it's knowing that sort of theory. Yeah, I think that's um, the art of French sauces. All the kind of master sources, I really want to perfect all of them because, that, I, yeah, I think once you have the basics right, you can then tweak mm. it and maybe apply it to different cuisines potentially. But then mm. each cuisine will have their own yeah. kind of specialities Cereal, as well. Probably, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe, maybe as we you're as not we, patient enough. You just no, no. I, I, I follow gung ho, aren't you? Kurt? No, I follow recipes. I was told by, by my son the other day that 
that that his his nanny was a better cook than me because she didn't follow recipes. I'm a bit like, <laughs> okay, I'm just giving up now. <laughs> Up. <laughs> Poor thing. Anyway, we've we've actually come to the end of the show, so I am going to have to wrap up here. Um, first of all, um, uh, Bianca, uh, Tia Masuria, good luck Thank next you. year. It sounds very very exciting. Thank you very so much. I'll, I'll have to get you on it. in a year's time yeah, and see what, see what happens. you're going to do with it. Now, um, while we're closing the show, I, I think you've baked us a cake. I did bake you a cake. <laughs> yes. Now, Jason, I'm really sorry. We did love your leaves. Yeah, I know. But you know movie. what? There's no competition with cake, is there? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, Whether it. Re- whether whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, there whether it, it stood, stood the force of the Victoria line, God, I don't know. Is so, it vegetarian? It is. It's, it's, so um, you're safe to have some, Melissa? Yeah, great. Mm. Is it vegan? It's not vegan. Good. <laughs> I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegan. <laughs> it's, okay. a, it's a pistachio sponge with um, a mixture of chantilly cream and yeah. yogurt with lemon curd. The reason why I say good is I'm not sure how you'd have got that cream texture with a vegan dish. Um, or the volume sometimes of Extreme. a big sponge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you lot, are you going to go all tuck in while I'm just closing the show? Um, the cake looks gorgeous. It's in two halves. It's, it's like a sponge and then it's got this beautiful cream in the middle. Um, uh, Ollie, are you going to be mother? Yes? Yeah, sure. So, um, so, yes, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. If anybody's interested in Nourished, uh, Nourished is spelled Nourished, but instead of the E at the end, it's got a three. And if you Google that, you'll have no trouble finding the website. You can yep. take the questionnaire thing. We will, of course, have a um, a link from Food Talk anyway. Great. Um, but if it's something you want to do, you should go on there. I'm very excited because I'm going to snaffle all these and I've got my whole month's supply. That's very <laughs> kind of you. <laughs> when I see you next, I'm going to look amazing. You're going to feel great. So. <laughs> I'm going to feel great. Even feel better. Great. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so thank you for joining us and well done on winning all those awards. Um, and uh, yeah, head on over to Nourished. You'll be... Um, you'll be very very impressed Jason um, I know you've just got a round of funding mm-hmm. um, and Eva Grow's doing really really well um, again go on the website look at the video in particular evogro evogro well done on your marketing uh, again we'll have a link through but particularly if you go and look at the video it sort of more or less explains everything you need to know and all the chefs on there that they they're some of the greats they are some of the greatest Thank chefs you. in the uk who i mean simon rogan actually said it was a game changer in the in the sector yeah. didn't he so so but it's also not just the london chefs are doing it you know got the no 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 people, and so. we are Oh, no, I shouldn't go on. No, go on. In between we just put three units in Simon's restaurant in Hong Kong. Oh, interesting. Uh, we're eyeing, Ooh. you know, global mm. expansion. That's interesting. Very, very good. And, and and Bianca, good luck. Thank you so Thank much you for bringing much. some cake. It was so kind of you. Um, oh, nothing will make Holly happier than having cake with her coffee in front of the microphone. Very, very. Do you remember that time when you got all that cream stuck on your... Did she get it stuck on her nose? I can't yes, remember. she did. I didn't get all that cream <laughs> stuck on my nose. There was maybe a... Tan. There's, no, there's no photo evidence. So you just say it's untrue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was quite fake news. Only YouTube fake news. news. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been listening to the Food Talk Show, and we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. Nice piece of cake. I haven't very got there nice yet. piece of cake. Is it very really good? Cake. Mm. Very very good. Great text. Everybody says it's great cake. Um, and Holly Shackleton, who is editor of Speciality food magazine fake yeah amazing rating a million 
Play 10 out of 10. (laughs) Um, And if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking, just like Melissa or Jason, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, maybe we've got 190 now. You and I have done 190 programmes, aren't we? Wow. We're still talking to each other. (laughs) Uh, Go to foodtalk.co.uk. Or via Speciality Food magazine website. If you go on to Speciality Food, we're right there on the homepage. Um, so we're going to tuck into some cake, and I hope you have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.